All right, Marky, episode 30. We have some uh, a creative person in the building. We're up here at Crowley Web. We're here with Matt Lowe. He is the vice president and creative director of Crowley Web, also a partner. Welcome to Listen to the Talk, Matt. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Been lis- listening for a while now. You guys are doing a doing a good thing. So glad to be a part of it. Well, thanks a lot, man. Yeah. yeah, we're here at the Google Studios. This is awesome. <laughs> well, yeah. It- so so we took the restaurant space that was downstairs in our building um, and decided to make it a meeting space and turn it into a. Uh, a bar of sorts we named it and branded so you'll see on your coasters we have uh local 86 sort of a uh a nod to like a union hall to you know the crawley web uh branding is sort of embracing the the blue collar work ethic of buffalo you know hard work works hard so we like to say you know we apply a blue collar work ethic to a white collar industry of advertising and we're just people you'd like to get along with and maybe sit down at a bar stool and have a beer with so Oh, well, that's I why mean, we're that's, here. Yeah, it's the neighborhood, <laughs> the neighborhood we're from, right? <laughs> Absolutely. South Buffalo starts. Yeah. Agency was started by a South Buffalonian who grew up on uh, Troll Bridge. Wow. Joe Crawley. Very oh, nice. So, yeah. and you said he was a timing grad? He was a timing grad too. I believe class of 50, 58, but don't hold me to that. 58 or 62 in that era. So going way back. And Matt started, uh, obviously, Bishop Timing, class of 96, one of the greatest classes ever. Craig said it. Graduate there. We'll get into that a little bit. Uh, In Canisius College in uh, the year 2000, when you were at Timing, did you ever think that you would be getting into advertising at all? Not one little bit. I I didn't know. I mean, like everybody, like, what did we know? We were all knuckleheads at Timing, and there wasn't a – those people had, you know, had had their hearts in the right place, but not a whole lot of guidance going on. And <laughs> I, I was valedictorian. I like to say because it was such a lean year. Was 96. Bobby Whalen like the guy right behind you? Him and he and uh, Pat Nolan. I think oh, okay. so. All but one quarter, Pat Nolan overtook me because he really tried hard. And you know how he, you know, that kid was a runner and put his put his mind to something and he could do it and he did it one quarter and then i think he was just exhausted and just fell right back off couldn't keep like, up with you <laughs> exactly <laughs> i was always just a really good memorizer and that was my thing i said if, if i could memorize and i i could i had a photographic memory i could just do tests well and that was mm-hmm. i also really liked math because i always knew there was a um nerd <laughs> <laughs> there was an easy way to an answer and the funny thing was did you guys have tita mm-hmm that's so, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> that guy always smelled like coffee and cigarettes, but I guess Man, all those teachers smelled like coffee and cigarettes. That's what rich people probably smell like. So he, he was, toward the end of senior year, it was during those days where you kind of didn't have to show up to class anymore, and it was debatable whether you needed to take exams for your final average, and I, I think it was a regents. But anyway, he was adding up final scores, and I think he was like, where's Mr. Lowe? And they said, you know, well, he doesn't think he doesn't have to be here because his average is so high and he was adding everything up. And he's like, turns out Mr. Lowe has to be here. And then some one of the students looking over his shoulder was like, oh, Mr. TD, you did your you're adding a little incorrect. (laughs) Damn it. So I didn't have to show up. And this is a guy that hustled. uh, They say he hustled in pool. To get through college. Did you know that with the angles and shit like that? I didn't know that, but I I don't doubt it because he. He had the big uh, ang- you know, like building garages and the whole yep. 
angle thing. Garage. Yeah. <laughs> garage. <laughs> Build a garage. So, so he also had uh, Western New Yorkers might know him. Out in Hamburg, he had uh, all these ice sculptures. So, yeah, how can I be so good at math? And I'm terrible at pool. Like, just, like, <laughs> God awful. Like, I couldn't be worse It's a little at bit pool. of touch, too, you know? Yeah. And, and Matt, in that class, he was, like, the smart guy. But I, you would have never known that he was, like, that smart guy. Because usually in that class, that smart guy isn't hanging with A, B, or C. <laughs> and Matt really was a down-to-earth guy. But one of the brightest guys that I've ever met over at... Uh, in my younger days. Yeah, see, like, when I think of advertising, I think of Jesse and Joey. Just sitting by the keyboard, like, coming up with jingles. Like, it's just like that. Was, it's yeah. exactly like See, that. like, and then you say that, like, you were the, the, the smart guy. How does, like, where does it intersect? It kind of didn't. I mean, if I, so, I went on to Canisius, and my mother just, some, like, decided, well, you're going to be a lawyer because you you got good grades. And that just, like, ever since I was in third grade, I was getting good grades. And she's like, that's what you do. You get good grades and you go to college and you become a lawyer. So how do we get to that? And uh, I went to Canisius mostly because I didn't want to go away. I just, it wasn't in, it wasn't for me. My daughter just went away to college. And I'm like, that is nuts. Like, what are you thinking? And she's like, she couldn't wait to go away to school. And I, that was just not for me. So I went to Canisius with a couple buddies, and it was I I like to say it felt like time in two. It was just like what what, do you, what are you doing between class? It was like time. Well, go out and smoke cigarettes. Right. And the, yeah. yeah. So that's what we did, and then eventually Kurtzel came over, and Joe Joe Dempsey was like, "Oh, you guys are having so much fun. I'm gonna transfer." So <laughs> Tim Sharf. So I took political science my freshman year because that was the track to to get into being a lawyer, I suppose, and. I remember the first political science class I had, we had to write a paper and my teacher was just horrified. He's like, you don't know how to write anything. He's like, what is it? And then now I'm a writer today. So I find that hilarious. But he was, he was like the look on his face. And I'm but was like, he right? Did you need work? Yeah. Like we didn't, we weren't really taught how to write papers and have like a thesis. And to think about it, it was mostly like, I just remember specifically, and I loved Mr. Stanley. Um, God rest his soul. But yeah. he said, if you're going to lift every, anything from a book, which is fine, as long as you cite it. So it was just like my papers were all just pulled Sorry. together of yeah. <laughs> exactly word for word. And it was, but it's like, do you have any thought around any of this? It was like, no, but I, I did citations. So doesn't that yeah. work? So that didn't last. And then I just did, I, I, I'm like, if, you know, I, I don't think I'm cut out to be a lawyer. What do I want to do next? And then I fell back on math. I said, I'm like, I was good math. I really like calculus. I, to this day, my daughter would give me problems, and I just really like calculus. And uh, Canisius was, and I think it still is probably, a, a big accounting school. And I'm like, well, you, you, math is involved in accounting, so maybe I'll do that. I was in accounting for two weeks, and it was the worst. Sophomore year was the worst two weeks of my life. I remember it but they were still using paper ledgers for classes. So I would bring this giant thing home and I would be home and just doing like these, you know, pencil ledger things for hours. And I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing and I have no interest or passion in this whatsoever. So I'm like, I got to get out of accounting. And at that point, my mother actually said to me, if you want to drop out of college, you should. And I was like, Whoa. Whoa! This shit just the got lawyer, real. Yeah. Like you want to be a lawyer? Yeah, it was like you're not supposed to say that as a mother. So I, I was like, well, no, I guess I got to figure out what I want to do. So 
I was like maybe advertising and I don't know why, but I was, I'm like, I think I, I could probably trace it back to, I worked at Vic's drugstore and we would do signage for end caps and such. And I just liked, instead of just writing the price, I would sort of do it up with art. And I've already always sort of doodled and had like an art thing. And I just like making art. And I thought maybe I could be in advertising. Like I could just do this on a larger scale and maybe I could be an art director and that could be something cool. And I can get into advertising. So I actually talked to Jim Kurtzel, who you guys had on a few weeks ago and he was at a school in, in Pennsylvania and I, getting into radio and he was like oh that's the same sort of track i'm in it's communication studies you should just get into that there's a whole thing for advertising i said no way and i was like okay so i looked up the the head of the advertising department and and stumbled into his office and i'm like tell me about advertising i was out of breath i was running up all these stairs and it was <laughs> uh dr john dahlberg who i still talk to today and go speak to his classes but he sort of got me in transferred from accounting into advertising um he was a writer so he encouraged me to go after that he's like yeah you can draw but you're not taking any art classes and Canisius isn't really an art school it's not really set up for design the way Madai or Fredonia are mm -hmm. but he's like I really think you could be a writer it's like you maybe not be there yet with your long form but you can write headlines and I, you can write radio spots like I would just do them for fun and he's like you should really pursue this so he actually landed me an internship here at Crawley Webb because he knew the head writer at the time, uh, Keith Crippen. They were pals from back in the day in the early days of advertising. And so it was kind of a no brainer. And I showed up on my first day with a, a suit coat and one of the other writers was like, welcome aboard. Don't ever wear that again. Don't, don't, we don't do that around here. Um, and the rest, the rest is kind of history. Um, like what kind of accounts did this firm have then? Like, was it bit was it big was it well it was different for sure so back so that was 99 um and amazingly enough we had m&t bank back in 1999 and that that relationship goes back almost to 89 i believe there's some dispute over if it was 89 or 90 but to think 30 years so we're still working with m&t bank today which is great but when I was started out, we had a contact lens company um, known as Wesley Jessen. Um, that was a big national account. They used to go to California and shoot supermodels. Um, Elsa, I believe her name was, but that was back in the late 90s. Um, that was a big account. That was one of the big accounts. Um, we had Independent Health, which was another large account. But I'll remember, I, I do, so... I was an intern for for the semester, and then I was going to go back to working at Vic's drugstore. And uh, I remember I was like, it was like the last week, and I was starting to freak out. I'm like, I really got a good deal here. Like they had produced a radio spot that I had written for the bank, which was not really heard of. They had hired a freelancer because they were so busy, and then they were like, yeah, give it to the intern too. And then they picked my idea, and then they brought me the record. They're like, do not tell the bank that you worked on this. Really? So that was like the first thing you excelled at. That's what, yeah. like, that's where you kind yeah. of made your to mark this in day, this company. Sorry. Yeah. To this day, I still, I still like doing, doing radio. But anyway, my internship was coming to a close and I started to freak out and I said, you know, I, I got to hang on to this. So I went into uh, one of the supervisors, uh, Jackie Warner was a writer here too. And I said to her, I said, she said, oh, you know, what are you going to do this summer? And I'm like, not too much. Maybe I just stay and work here. And she's like, you know what? That's a really good idea. Let me go talk to Joe. So Joe Crawley was still here at the time. I'm going to go talk to Joe. 
just sit right there. So she goes upstairs, gets grabs Joe, comes back down, and Joe's like, Matt, you've been doing a you've been doing a bang up job. We really appreciate it. And he pulls out a wad of bills and just puts it in my hand. And I'm just it was such a gangster move. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. thanks, Mr. Was Crowley. he smoking a cigar? Like, yeah, kid. Uh, you got my been doing a bang up job. <laughs> we want you to stay and work work the summer with us. How do you how do you feel about that? I said, absolutely. So I worked part time that summer and then it was I just kind of didn't leave. And uh, at some point my senior year, uh, the CEO, Jim Hedick, uh, who's still the CEO today, took uh, took me to lunch and said, hey, so you have a couple months left. We want we want to buy out your, the rest of your senior year and you come work for us full time. And I just, you know, like, I don't know if my mother will let me. <laughs> she wants you to drop out. I know. And I don't, first thing out of my mouth. And then he said, oh, we're just kidding. But we do want you to come work here in June when you graduate. So I said, well, that's spectacular. So I did. And then the day I started full time, we lost the Wesley Jensen account, (laughs) which was like, there were layoffs and it was a dark time. And then not long after that, um, there was a review for the independent health business and we lost that. So in the early 2000s, it was rocky, but I was so young and so new, I kind of just flew under the radar. And I'm like, if I just work really hard and I'm not making a lot of money, I could just kind of hang on to this gig. And what was your title at that point? I was just copywriter. So they said, well, we, just don't, have, we don't have junior copywriters here. But So you're a copywriter, even though you're kind of a junior copywriter. So I'm like, okay, I'm a copywriter. That's great. So, and then at one point I was like, I was, I was the only writer, um, we were we were down to about 20, 22 people at one point. So in ninety nine, I think we were around fifty five, and then we shrunk to twenty two or twenty three, and then today we're at ninety. So we've been just gangbusters since about like two thousand eleven. Wouldn't you say that's like a copywriter? Where you like oh, sweet? You're like what the fuck's a copywriter? I mean, I don't know what the hell. What, what? I, I just I'm going off of Mad Men. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I, like what he, the fuck is he's that? Peggy Olson. Yeah. What, what was the, what was the job like? So any job that comes through typically has a writer and an art person put on it. So there's an art director and a writer team. And that's so so those parts of Mad Men are ac- accurate. I remember Peggy working with her art partner. So a job will get opened. You'll have a creative brief, which is sort of the blueprint for a job. It's got everything you would need to, to get a job done, whether it's a TV spot or a digital display campaign or, you know, a set of billboards. It's here's the creative brief and it's everything you could want or need to do a job. So it's all the background information, target audience information, who are we trying to get with this piece of communication? And then you get into the the real specifics, like the nitty gritty, it's like the, the promise, the main message, like what do we want? What is the one thing we want this communication to say? And that's always where I went as the writer, because I'm like, well, that's the headline in sort of straight terms, and then I have to make it sound awesome. So we would take that creative brief and art director and I, and then we would just go start coming up with concepts. So I'm going to keep coming back to like billboards. So like what, what, you know, what would be, what would look really cool would be like a duck with, you know, I don't know, uh, smoking a cigar. And then the headline would be this. So my art director partner might come up with the headline or I might come up with the visual, but that's like, like the concepting time. And we, you'd be given like a week to do that. And then you'd have to come back and share the ideas with your creative director. And he would decide if, yeah, that's working. That's not. I need a couple more. You guys got to spend more time together, come up with more ideas because the you know the meetings in a couple of days now. So we, it's crunch time. So you might have to work at night or extra hours. You know, but 
we're not here. Maybe he thinks you're, you're in great shape and then you move on to the next project. So it's my responsibility is the word. So it's once you concept, then I have to come up with a copy deck that then the art director is laying out. So here's the headline. Here's what the, the body copy looks like. Here's all the disclosure information. If you're doing a bank ad, for instance, so all that's got to be on a copy deck that then gets put into a layout by an art director. So you have this one step ahead of that. So, so it's not just a copywriter. Get, yeah. right. get yourself. A <laughs> well, and then you talk about losing accounts. Is there, is there a rival that, ah, those, Goddamn Wilsons are at it again, you know, or or, or some something like that. Are are you constantly always looking over your shoulder in this? Or even was field? there a person that was like, you're like, oh, I gotta beat him because he's, I'm junior copywriter. I got a whole list of people <laughs> on my desk. <laughs> so there's 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 agencies in town, and and we I think view the community more more as just that, like a friendly competition. So if there's a pitch locally, they'll probably invite like Julia, Maurer, Martin Group, Carly Webb. And then there's some smaller boutique shops. And if those guys are getting invited to the pitch, you're like, why are you inviting those guys when our offerings are so different? You're wasting somebody's time here. Right. But again, it's more of like competition, like friendly competition. And then every year we have the award show. Which my wife always challenges. What's it on. called now? What what is it called? It's the Addies. Oh yeah. Well, the, well, the Chris actual Groves won one. He was on our program. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. What did he win one for? Uh, his can design for oh, neat. Uh, community, community beer, beer works. works. Oh oh yeah yeah yeah. Okay. My wife uh, always challenges. She's like, "What do you got? You guys are that sad. You need award shows for about your work. Where's the, like the teacher awards? Like what, seriously, what is so." That's like a night the whole community comes together and we celebrate the work and that's where the competition sort of comes out. It's like who's going to win best of show this year and who's got the the best portfolio from the last year moving forward. So so there's a lot, but it's still it's like we're hanging out, having beers, talking shop. It's a good time to get back together with those people. I think these days it's more of a competition for for talent is where I yeah, see it. Yeah, like cuz I see it like the same way it probably was in the beginning of your career, a lot more important for those because you wanted to be part of that team that won that award to move yourself up the ladder now you're sort of towards the top so what what was it then that moved you from just a copywriter to something else i i just decided i'm just gonna work work my ass off and it's funny that our our motto is hard work works hard because i i that's what i learned from people it's like and you can't be afraid to just do whatever to to like nothing is beneath me. And even today I'll just do whatever. It's like a print ad needs to be done in a night because of whatever, like I don't care if I'm creative director on the account, I'm a, I'm, I'll, I'll step in and do it because so-and-so's on vacation and so-and-so sick and we just got to get it done. And there's this opportunity for the client. We don't want to let anybody down. Mm -hmm. So again, I just, I'm like, I'm going to work on as much as I can and take every opportunity and just work the shit out of it because I just want to be viewed as like a, a resource and somebody that, is can be relied on and I want to be sort of indispensable as much as I can be. And I'm going to come up with awesome ideas and I just love coming up with fun, mm -hmm. wacky ideas. And I push the boundaries a lot. Like my, I, I always had an active imagination and I think I tapped a lot of that when, when coming up with ideas and that's always the most fun for me. So now today being in the position I'm in where I'm doing a lot more of strategy and sitting in meetings and doing, you know, working with clients and, and overseeing the work. I don't, get to do as much of the fun stuff as I did that really got me going. So when I do have the opportunity to do that stuff, I, I really love it. Cause that's, and that's what gets creative people excited is come up with coming up with ideas and new ideas. Mm -hmm. It seems like uh Crowley web is there's no I in team. 
it's a big team here. I've heard that from people. The, they chuck the egos at the door, I was told. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we work really well together, too. And I think one of the stigmas around advertising for people who, who like, have done research around it, and I think even if you watch the Mad Men and – but I had always heard that like account service and creative constantly butt heads. And it's like account service has the client's intentions in mind and the creatives just want to do wacky, wacky things for their own amusement. And they're constantly going to be butting heads for that reason. That was kind of never the, the case here. And I think um, so Joe Crawley and John Webb, who started the place, Joe was an account guy. John was a super accomplished art director. And they both started it when they were late in their careers. I mean, they were in their if not early early 60s, early 50s, which really? was a big, ballsy move to go on their own and start an agency. But they did, and we're, we're pretty glad they did. But anyway, those guys each came from these different disciplines and made it work. So that's something that I think we tried to dispel. And I'm sure it's probably more pervasive at other agencies these days too, but there was never this rift between the account service and creative. It's like we're all trying to do the same thing. Like we right. want to be servicing clients and and – moving the needle for them, but doing it in a way that's going to get attention and doing it in a way that's going to make us proud about the work we're putting out there. So that, that only gets works when you're working together. So now that we have all these other disciplines, you know, this big digital arm and we're, we're building up our PR arm. It's like, everybody's got to pull, pull together. Otherwise things fall apart. Right. So what is right? What was your next position after just a copywriter? Uh, so I went from just a copywriter to copywriter mm. and then see, I'm just kidding. And then, <laughs> so I went to senior, senior copywriter and then associate creative director. And, and that was when I was put on the management team and made vice president. That was, Oh, Oh, Oh nine. Really moving up the ladder. Yeah. Quick. You just hang around long enough. Yeah. So it was, <laughs> so it was all work ethic, like just taking on projects, getting things done. Yeah, and, and, and having a, a great team with me, and, and we were all, you know, doing really good work for our clients that was that was winning awards, um, and we've consistently won. And it's not all about the awards, and it's not, but we'd like to win awards, mm, absolutely. Sure. Right. So when you win awards, you get attention, and I think that's good PR buzz for the agency, and that hopefully is what's going to lead you to more new business. People get hear about you that you're making waves and it's like one story that you're telling leading to another story so we were doing a, a lot of really good work um and just growing in a in a leadership role and giving more being given more managerial responsibilities and, and running the team and then just being handed the copy department and say you're ready now um this wasn't working out with this guy before you so we're gonna we're gonna put you in this position and you know sort of sink or swim it was interesting because I was brought up uh, the, the two creative directors for the longest time. So Jeff Papalardo, who's still here and he's our chief creative officer, he's an art guy. And then he worked with Dave Buck, who was our president for a long time, just retired in 2016. He was an art guy too. So it was like we had these two really strong art presence at the agency. And then I was in charge of the words and to try and have what I was doing, live up to what they were doing and, and mentoring and all that was, was a big, was a big challenge. And I'm, it's one I'm still working at every day. <laughs> and, you know, you talk about Crowley Web, what they do advertising, but you guys do a lot of different stuff. Like you create content from blogs to videos, design, web development, analytics, public relations. So it's it's a big circle. 
and it's changed. And, and it's changing every day, especially with the World Wide Web, you know. Absolutely. And so talk about how this future in 2019, how the company has uh, adjusted to it. I think the digital thing is something that's changing, you know, daily. And it's something we continue to, to try and, and and wrap our heads around, we have a growing uh, digital department, digital discipline. Um, but trying to stay up to date is something that, that we find to be, you know, something that, that's a challenge for us. But we have a really solid team now. We have, we have you know, folks just focused on, on UX, which is that um, digital side. But I think applying what we do really well, which is like brand creation, and, and like that's always been our bread, bread and butter is like, making a brand that's the fuel that helps people sell the company because absolutely like we have this and we always viewed like a website just isn't a website and just it isn't just a place for commerce but it's sort of like your your brand hub so if we're doing that right like that's sort of step one and that's that's sort of the core to even even the digital work is, is having a strong brand foundation to then apply to everything else you're doing digitally and i always said you know you know there's there at the end of the day, it's always just about making stuff, whether we're making billboards or we're making digital display ads. But I, I don't want to for a second discount, you know, the specialty that's involved in, in UX and what, what, what our team does on that end and in the digital strategy and then marrying that with the digital media strategy. So then we have this whole media department with just these these experts on that side and how we can target, you know, micro hyper target people through display ads and social ads these days. And then on top of that, we'll layer on, we have this whole analytics department where we have, you know, seven people just, just hungry yeah. for data and just bringing in the data and reading the data and, and like, how can we move the needle even further and how can we, we hyper target even more. So we have this, this amazingly strong science side to what we do now instead of just the art side. It used to be back in the day with advertising, they used to just laugh it off and say, well, you know half of my advertising is working. I just don't know which half. Like you can't, there's, you can't say that anymore. It's, right, it's right. so, everything is scrutinized down. And I think that's, that's one of the big differentiators uh, for us locally these days though, is just the sciences that we have in addition to, to the digital arm, but like the fact that, you know, the, the science that we have behind our media and our analytics is just really driving a lot of the new business today too. So like what, somebody who wanted to get into advertising now, like you'd say that it would be creative, but what would be like the one thing that would make you stand out? If you like for you, if you were to hire somebody right now, if it was somebody looking to get in the creative department, I would still say, still say a strong portfolio is, is the number one thing. Just how much work you've put in. Not just the quality of it. And that's, that's a big differentiator we have too. I don't want to see, you know, 20 things in a portfolio. I want to see five really good things and, really scrutinizing your own work. And that's that's just on the creative side. So that's, that's another thing about the way the business has changed these days is that there's so many avenues into advertising. Right. Like you could be just a huge numbers geek and then yeah. work in analytics and, and, and work in an that's advertising. That's our hardest agency. thing is like telling, we don't know how many people listen to this. You know, like we would, we couldn't know. We got like, free analytics. Yeah, we have so free, you know. yeah. So like for you guys, it's gotta be like, you gotta dig, you gotta find out where, like especially like, with the newspaper kind of declining, is that something that affects you? Not so much. I mean, we still do some some print buys here and there, but 
not i mean um not so much no no i mean we just people are still reading newspapers so there's still a reason to put it there but we're still trying to target people so it's all like okay well so where are they so we'll find it and we'll move it somewhere else so i mean they're declining because readership is declining so that's more of a, a hit to them but we're just going to allocate dollars elsewhere and just move it somewhere else what do you guys yeah. think about uh you know the you're you're a twitter guy uh promoted tweets the pay to advertising we're running into people like bands and businesses are like oh well we're paying for these followers and me and marky are against it we're an organic show we don't want to make fake accounts and stuff like that talk talk yeah. a little about that yeah we don't get into the fake accounts or even buying followers but we have promoted posts um we'll do that sometimes on facebook when it makes sense um i don't know if we've done promoted posts on on um on twitter but i think a bigger angle we've taken which is really out of the pr side is like influencers so we've done a lot of influencer outreach which feels again something like more organic it's just like these people out there already have the following so if we can tap into them and say hey can we strike a deal do you want to use this welding machine and, and, and give it a good talk and then be able to answer questions about it so so we've taken that track when it comes to social so we do do some paid social but some of it is everything you know things we're used to seeing like like paid ads at the beginning of a youtube video right. so we've done that kind of stuff but and, and some boosted posts on facebook but again we scrutinize all these things and then decide what makes the most sense based on who we're trying to target well we're looking at the body of work here just a, a couple places you got mnt dunkin donuts niagara university moog and of course i want to get to Hoppers rush in, which was exciting. But talk to us. We talked about M&T a little bit. Talk to about Dunkin' Donuts. I mean, worse, you see T Tim Hortons everywhere. How do you go about with Dunkin' Donuts in this area in Western New York, Southern Ontario? So that's that's actually one of the reasons they came to us, and that's a pure public relations play for us. Um, I think they, they realize um, – the competition they have in this area. I sure. mean, everybody you drive on a Saturday morning. You can't get past one of those places without a line of cars out in front. I don't get it. I just, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. But they, so they have a, a branding firm out of, out of Boston that does all their national advertising stuff, but they felt like if they're going to compete in markets like Buffalo with a, a strong, you know, sort of smaller local brand, they're going to need people on the ground who know, who know the people here know the kinds of things they're going to be into. So that's a pure PR place. So we do events at the Bisons. We'll do, we did like national, um, I think it was, um, we, we gave out donuts to police officers one day. So oh, like yeah, these yeah. smaller things, it's more events. We'll do social posts for them, but it, it is a, again, a pure PR play for us. And the, the, the girls that work on that are great. Just generating, ideas and coming up with coming up with content but i guess that was the thing that they saw that they were lacking in this market was how do we com compete with this behemoth of, of tim hortons well we got to have people on the ground boots on the ground who know the area who can do things like that and i think you know we're, we're competing well enough i mean it's, it's i don't think you're people are so brand loyal to tim hortons and again i don't i don't get it um but um the cream who get addicted to it someone tried to tell me that they put cocoa in their coffee or something i don't know but 
Yeah, some they're putting something in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, an, it's one of the legal illegal legal addictive substances. Yeah, I, I didn't drink coffee for my whole life. I'm fucking addicted to it now, man. <laughs> when did you start? About two years ago. I'm like on my like the I'm on like the back nine when it comes to coffee. Like oh, I, yeah. there's some days I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll have it, maybe I won't. But I I, I like coffee, but I was few years ago man i was drinking like six six cups i could have a cup of coffee at nine o'clock at night and sleep like a baby me too yeah yeah so, i drink oh, so much of it i know the struggle but niagara university i seen some of your work there very very good work oh thanks promote the college and i don't think you get enough credit for that i was oh. watching the, a lot of the stuff last night and the, seen some ads we're actually launching a, a new campaign for them very soon so so you'll see some of the new some oh, of the new we'll content for them that, and yeah. um yeah, that's been great, and that's that that goes back about maybe ten years, and and they've always been 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 fun to work with, and appreciate the creative going back to the, the first year we worked with them. It was they they identified the problem as like kids kids just don't know what this campus is like, so we just have to show them what it's like. So the big idea we had, and the team that the team that worked on it said, why don't we just throw some high school kids on a bus and then just film their reactions to what the campus is like. So that was the very first campaign we did for them. It was like sort of like documentary style reality TV. Like these kids are going to be floored. So we, the reactions that they had to like, Oh wow. I didn't know that this thing even existed. And, and, you know, walking the halls and meeting the, 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 the uh, students that were there and looking at, you know, science experiments. And we built a whole campaign just around like that one insight that kids don't know what this campus is like. So, that's that's a really good story. I always like that that you know, and that that's something that we we do a lot here through analytics is like social listening, like hearing what people feel about a topic, whether it's banking or what have you, and then taking that and and then using that in our work. Um, that's just put a whole new spin on what we do. And again, that goes back to analytics. Yeah, I saw um, a video you guys made for it was like a generic beer commercial, something you were involved in, right? Oh, was that the devour thing? Yeah, so that's like like something fun. Is that that's like the fun aspect of the oh, job? Yeah. So we just did that on on. The, <laughs> the I thought there weekend. was there a contest or something. I don't know. <laughs> so there was a contest. That's funny. I'll have to share the link. But um, so there's this beer app where they curate um, craft beers. It's called Devour, and my buddy who he's an editor for us. Um, he runs this with his partner, Ben, they run this shop called silo and they just do post-production. So we'll film commercials, say for M and T and then bring them the content and we work with them to edit it and they'll color it. And so it's just this, this two man team and they're great. But anyway, Bill over there turned me onto this app and then I get emails all the time. Like, Hey, we have this new beer. And it's just like, you fill up uh, like your, your bag of beer and then pay <laughs> for it or box of beer and you pay for it at the end of the month and then they send it to you. But and I had never really done it. And I, I just think it's funny, the names of these beers from all over the country. So that was sort of the main reason I hung on to it. And then Bill and I both got this email said, you know, we've heard a lot about our customers saying they love our app so much. You know, we're going to have a contest, make a video why you love devour and the, the best video voted on by us is going to win 500 bucks. In free beer, 500 bucks yeah. in beer. And I'm like, we should totally do this. And so we have a, a budding video department here at Carly Webb as well. We have a director of photography. We have a producer. We have an on-staff editor. So I talked to our, our DP and I said, hey, we're going to do this thing. We're going to shoot 
shoot something at some point in the next couple of weeks and, and try and win some money. And he's like, yeah, I'll be in. So like that afternoon I wrote a script and it was sort of the opposite. It was just like a redneck type talking about why he hates craft beer. And so the colorist over at silo can act a little bit himself. And we convinced him to grow a mustache and wear one of my old tank tops. And I brought my dad's old folding chair, you know, those, with the mesh that would link, you know, those, yeah, those I, old I can't metal, sit on them. I'm a those, heavy. <laughs> <laughs> and I got a, a, a sword from my cousin, John, from his garage. And we, <laughs> we just did this thing at Tift field one, one Sunday morning for about two hours and just filmed him. And then they went because they do posts. They just, I said, he, you know, just take it and edit it. And they edited it for a couple days and we, it was a ball and uh, we sent it in and, a month later, I don't know if they were pissed or what, but we got this super, like, uncongratulatory email just saying, "Hey, you, yeah, you guys won. Who, who wants the Who wants the money?" And he put it in his account, and you know, they probably looked you up. They're like, "Oh, he's advertising." Yeah. I don't think that the contest really took off because I think the whole thing, like, we had to sign a waiver that they could use our content and this and that. It never went anywhere, and I think we even tagged them in posts when we posted about it, and I don't. I think they wanted nothing to do with it, but we may have been the only one who submitted anything. Like, well, we got to give it to these jerks. Look so. for look for it on our Twitter. We'll share it. Yeah, I, it's I really funny. I remember. Time. I think it's called Tavoured Dwayne. Yeah, it was really starring fun. my father's uh, chair that we beat the hell out of. <laughs> and then you come to something that a lot of people found out about Crawley Web because of Hopper's rush in advertising. Yeah, so, and. You're related to Hopper. I was, yeah. I'm, I'm Hopper's nephew. Yeah, yeah, Hopper, God rest his soul. He's, a, he's a, was a great man, a great family. Um, but one of the funniest ads I've ever seen, and you don't see many ads for a bar like this. I right. mean, the, one was a picture of Hopper with this dead look on his face, <laughs> like, "What the hell do you want?" And it says, "What the hell is an apple teeny?" <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and talk about how that happened, Matt, because a lot of our listeners frequent hoppers from time to time. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I love hoppers. Go see Kurt. Kurt yeah. Curry. Yeah. So, yeah, Kurt's a friend of the agency. So his wife actually worked here in media oh, back good. in the 90s. Yeah. So. So from time to time to maybe break up the monotony or the typical things we work on, we'll just create projects for ourselves. And uh, again, my 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 partner, um, Jeff Papalardo came to me and he's like you know doesn't your uncle own a bar let's just do some posters for his bar and i said yeah i don't know that he'll know what that is but sure <laughs> and i remember the day we went and jeff said let's just go and it was it was back before smartphones but we it was around the time of like digital cameras so he's like i'll just bring the agency's digital camera we'll just start snapping pics and just get a sense for the place and then just come up with a poster campaign for your uncle's bar. And I'm like, okay. And again, we, I told Hopper, we are coming by and he's like, you're going to do what? <laughs> what do we, yeah, whatever. Okay. I'm open at eight on Fridays. Come by. <laughs> so we came by and, and Jeff had never met Hopper and just <laughs> loved it. And it was, he thought, Oh my God, that guy's such a character. So he, we spent a couple hours and Jeff again was just snapping pics. And he, he, he's to this day. So to this day, when I go to Hopper's um, 
and use the the uh, facilities and see the ice in the trough, <laughs> I will take a picture with my phone and send it to Jeff because he just <laughs> said, "What is with the ice in the? Like it, it keeps the water flowing so you don't get stink." Yeah, it's a and, thing. And the uh, catchphrase on that is. Uh, what is it? All drinks are on ice. All drinks on the rocks eventually. <laughs> yeah, eventually. Yeah, yeah. And those are still up. I got to work there tonight. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Those so they're still up there. Judy, Judy and Robin uh, framed them all and put them all up after after the fact. So, so yeah, we snapped pictures and Jeff said, we just got to start writing headlines around all these things. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, give me your six favorite photos and I'll just write some snappy headlines. And then Jeff came up with the idea of, writing the headline in, in handwriting on a napkin as if you were at the bar. And then he took a picture of that. And then he used some of the linoleum from the back room as sort of the background. And yeah, people just ate it up. And, and it was oh seven, I think. And that year it, that campaign won best to show at the local award show. And pe- people, <laughs> people were pissed. Really? <laughs> like, That's not even a real campaign. And I'm like, yeah, it is. It's, <laughs> Sure. Those posters are running yeah. at Hopper's bar. Yeah. <laughs> so. You're like, it's a hole in the wall. <laughs> and it was a picture of a, the chip rack kitchen always open. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. And then it was uh, the phone booth, which was one another relic that, yeah, and it was like, order any, order whatever the hell you want. <laughs> <laughs> so then, it, yeah, because we had won, then one of the guys at Business First wanted to do a story about it. So he went, so it was another opportunity just to go drink at hoppers in the morning on a friday <laughs> so he wanted to take pictures of us and get the story from us and i remember i i think my old man still has the article hanging up in his garage of like a picture of hopper holding the hopper poster and just how proud he was and he's i still don't know what we what we did with these things why why we do them but whatever it's great You're whatever smart, leo always smart matthew <laughs> pichu matthew pichu you call me and then what we dive in uh, later on, and this is something I know the company's very proud of and yourself, um, the 11-day power play. Yeah, yeah. And now just went into its its third year. Um, yeah, this was a big one for us um, just in terms of, of pride and, and the story behind it. Um, so friends of the agency, again, um, friends of the agency, um, Mike and Amy Lesikowski, um through Trisha Barrett, um, who's one of my partners here, came to us with just this this idea. They said, um, so their family had dealt with a lot of cancer and Mike's a big hockey guy. And they said, and I think I, literally that idea became, was born on the back of a napkin. They said, what can we do to not just let cancer run roughshod over this town? Like, let's get involved, let's do something. Let's do something big and have it be big and bold and let's involve hockey. Why don't we why don't we gun for the world world record, the longest hockey game ever and, and raise money in doing it and raise a million dollars to fight cancer. And what a brilliant, brilliant idea. And they came to us a year before they said, we're going to do this in 2017. So they came to us like almost to the day a year before and said, we're going to start talking about this thing. We're doing it. Train has left the station. We talked to the guys who currently hold the world record for the world's longest hockey game, how to do it. We're getting logistics down. Um, we're doing it. We, we don't know what to call this thing. We don't like, so we got to start, you know, going on the radio and going on TV and start promoting this thing. We got to know what to, to call this. That's step one is we mm-hmm. need a name. So I was like, Oh hell yeah. I mean, I just, I still love those kinds of projects. It was a naming project. So right up my alley, 
I was all, all I mean, for the idea, obviously, but just the creative opportunity was 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 ripe too. So, so I was working on it. I, I, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm definitely working on this. And <laughs> we had just hired um, a, a young copywriter out of Syracuse. All the good writers come out of Syracuse, except for me. I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> she had just started. It was like her first month, and. I had this whole list of names and my favorite, I had, I had written, um, hockey Turnal. I'm like, that's the name. This thing is going to be known as hockey Turnal. And I, all these other ones. And I'm like, yeah, whatever it's fodder. And she comes in, she's like, I have like the best name for this thing to, to present to the client. And I'm like, okay, what is it? She's like the 11 day power play. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense at all, <laughs> but you like it so much. We'll present it to those, the client and, they came in and we did this whole press dog and pony and they you guys were... just eaten Joey them. <laughs> we just <laughs> eaten Joey. Them. We gave him the dog and pony. We played some yeah. some keyboard. I yeah. had my puffy pants on. <laughs> um, and they they were digging everything we presented. And then a week later they came back and they're like, "We're gonna go with eleven day power play." And I'm like, "Son of a bitch!" <laughs> I'm like, "You're like it was the best." Yeah. Ever. And then today, now in retrospect, I look back and I'm like, "It sums up everything and it states what it is." And they're still doing it for it, it's a really, and it everything they put behind it too, and how they've made this event what it is today. So, in retrospect, it was a great name and it is a great name. So I love it. Um, so from there we developed the, the logo because we you know we need jerseys and and Daryl um, Colling worked on worked on the the art for that and still works and works on the account today when it comes back around every year and just awesome when it comes to that kind of stuff um, did an awesome logo we had two versions and of course um, they wanted to marry the two versions so they Frankenstein the logo but again it's it's great um, and then we had to start promoting it. Um, and this, like, as we're getting ready to, to launch this campaign, we hear about all the horror stories that they were getting ready you know, to, to, to do this in the undertaking. I mean, I mean, you guys know what they actually had to do that first year, right? They had to actually play the whole time, well, right? They had to live at Harbor Center. So part of the there was all these restrictions that came down from Guinness. Like they had to check off the boxes for Guinness. Mm -hmm. And it was you can't leave. And, you, you know, super in, in the weeds. But basically, they would skate for four hours and then get eight hours off, but they couldn't leave. So it was like the guys would skate and then basically go eat quick and then sleep and then come back and skate four hours. And then and it was all work, worked out fine with the shifts until guys started getting injured the way guys get injured. And then suddenly guys were doubling up shifts. And I think halfway through, some of those guys were just getting like batty. And it was just like it was it was a grind. I mean, yeah. I couldn't even imagine doing that. It was a, especially you start one of those things and everyone's there and yeah. everyone's cheering. It's like yeah, drinking beers or whatever. It's the first night. It's like you got to do this now for 11 more friggin' days. And like I could just think about like what day nine at two in the morning must have been like with nobody there. And it's just, you know, God, why, what, do, you know, and I, I was I, there that first year and there, there was guys, I'm not exaggerating. They were hallucinating. Yeah. It's like Jacob's ladder. I mean, they were, that, <laughs> they were, they were almost over dehydrated. And I think that's what you're getting to is how they had to evolve it from someone not getting hurt. Sure. And that was the thing too. I think some of the guys, so they had to, I think it was 40 aside or no, there was an order. It was 20 aside, 20 players aside. There was the original 40. Some of them went into it thinking this is going to be cakewalk. We're going to drink beer yeah, the clock and eat pizza around the, it's like, no man, you got to be putting fluids back into you. <laughs> I mean, this is a, 
And some of those guys had to get in shape again and had to, they started <laughs> running. It's like, I don't think, you know, and I think that's why some of those guys did get hurt. So that's why they evolved it. And I think so then for the next year early on, they said, you know what? Maybe someday we'll try and break it again and do that feat again. But I think I don't even know who over as part of the organization had a brilliant idea, but like, let's just widen the net and we'll get more people involved. We'll get, you know, 1500 people to skate. It'll still be the shifts like we've had it and we're still going to have 11 day and we're going to live up to that branding side of it, but we're going to invite so many more people and they're going to have, you know, their friends and family donating. They're going to have their friends and family on hand cheering on. So you're mm. not going to have that 2 a.m. on day eight or nine lull where you want to, you know, questioning why. Every day is sanity. new. Every day is exactly. fun. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So there's some shifts that I do get rough, you know, here and there. So then they they went to year three, which just finished in July. And they even they shortened the shifts so they could have more shifts and have they went up to twenty five hundred people this year. So they're continuing to tinker with it, and there's maybe even thoughts about other cities buying into it and what that might mean. But they've they've turned this thing from again, which was a, a you know a thought on the on a napkin at a bar one night, and how can we help you know this city deal with cancer in a different way and involve hockey to this sort of machine and what's become like. You know, it's not the ride for Roswell yet, maybe, but maybe right. someday it'll be viewed in that vein. It's like this annual thing now that I think people get excited yeah, about. Yeah, we have like the smart party and this. Yeah, it's like the same. Yeah. And I always take vacation at the same time, and it's always when this is happening, and I see like a, a shift of it, and it's like, everyone's like, you know when it happens, but. Did you guys work on the artwork this year? Yes. That The stuff with uh, Owen and Mike Chase was great. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you hit it right out of the park. Well, it's funny because so every year they'll they'll come in early on, and it was <coughs> sorry. So it was in February or whatever this year, and they said, "Okay, we're we're going to do the community shift again. Um, we need materials to promote it. So you guys go and do your thing." So the creative team went off and did their thing and came up with a bunch of ideas, and one of them centered around the fact that. It was going to be 2,500 people this year, not 15 and not 40 like the first year. So one of the ideas was like, let's just take big, iconic hockey things and, and put them in beautiful Buffalo scenes. So we had like a, a stick at the, the, the silos in the ward and we had a helmet on Main Street and we put a puck at Canal Site, but like giant with the logos on it. So it was big, recognizable. And the theme this year was going to be, you know, it's bigger than ever this year. We thought that was really cool. And then one of the other ideas was, every player that plays is playing for somebody. So we'll do these split faces thing. And then we'll, we'll, we'll put a, a trait out there. That's, that's um, shared by both the player and the, the cancer fighter. So it's like determination, like you know, hockey players got to have it. And if, you know, somebody battling cancer has got to have that too. So we'll do these really beautiful, rich um, portraits and, and, and that'll just be a super iconic thing that we again can use um, to promote the event. And so we presented those two ideas as sort of like a one and a two or an A and a B. And then we had, there was another idea too. And they, they come in and they're, they're, they're just great clients. They, they love everything we do and they're always so gracious. And so Amy came in and I think she had Mike, she, she'll, uh, Mike, Mike gets busy and she'll FaceTime him from our meetings. And it's like, look at the, look what these guys did. And oh, <laughs> he gets excited about it. So they went with the idea to promote the event of, of it's bigger than ever these this year and the equipment around town, but they really loved the split portrait. And like, we got to find a place to do that. Like 
banners at the event. So when you're there, you really feel the emotion of, of what, again, these players and, and, and who they're fighting for and their family are going through. So, so, um, I'm trying to remember the, uh, Luke Copping. So Luke Copping did the, did the, um, photography for us and, it was a real emotional day. Um, I, I wasn't there firsthand, but just heard a lot of stories and, and just, you know, down to Owen, who's who's so young and battling cancer and his dad and just hearing those stories from those people and then trying to bring it to life and just, you know, a portrait. And I think, you know, we feel really good about uh, I mean, we always feel really good about the work we do for them, but there was something special this year for sure. Right. Yeah. Very inspirational, Mark. Yeah, those were awesome. Yeah. So, like, explain to people uh, how big Crowley Web is in Buffalo. Like, I, I mean, it's a giant building. How many employees? Like, this is crazy. This is awesome. Yeah, so we have 90, 90 people here today. Um, we're one of the biggers, but one of the bigger agencies, but not, but not the biggest. Um, but again, in terms of offering, if you know, we bill ourselves as a full service agency, and you know, we have service, creative, media, analytics public relations. We have this video thing now, which is part of the content and then digital offering and, you know, other, other agencies, our size are offering those, those things. So again, it's, it's that competition, but it's the friendly competition. And, and, and when there's going to be pitches locally, we know that those guys are going to be there, but you know, that's going to happen. But a lot of the business we're looking for is, is out of town these days and, and searching for, you know, more regionally and more nationally. And, not so much beating down the doors here in Buffalo, um, but but more more on that scale. So not competing or butting up against those guys day to day. Where it is again is for the talent because you know talent's hard to come by, and and you know we'll we'll jump all over an agency if they're they're looking to, to poach our people as as I'm sure they would would us. But excuse me. So so that's where we find the majority of the competition with those guys, uh, the other agencies these days. Do you see like being rooted in Buffalo as an advantage or is could would this be somewhere else? Like, I mean, I mean, we managed to embrace it with our, our the branding we've done for our agency. Um, you know, at some point we not at some point, but about 10 years ago, we decided, hey, are we going to like we, we need a a new business strategy. Why, why would somebody just want to hire an agency in Buffalo if they're a company in Chicago? So it's like, we need a differentiator. So, you know, we can, we can go vertical and say, we're just going to work in financial or we're just going to work in education or we're just going to work in industrial, but we don't want, we don't want to be specialists because that sometimes it gets into then, you know, well, we're already working with a bank, so we can't work with another bank because M&T doesn't want us working with another bank. So right there out of the gate, it's a little tough. So then when you work with, you know, uh, colleges, you have to decide if they're really a conflict or not, because, you know, so we did work for MCC, for instance, we also did work for NU. They're not competing for the same type of right. stuff. So, so that was cool. But again, we didn't want to be specialists. We want to be generalists just because we, we find that's, that's more interesting. We like to give, different people the opportunity to work on multiple you know different types of clients and different types of projects and our process is at such that we can apply it to anything it could you know we've never worked on ice cream we could we could start working on ice cream tomorrow just because it, it would fit within our process and we're sure we can apply it to whatever the industry is so let's embrace our buffalo roots as sort of our brand that's going to be our brand it's not going to be about education or or what we do discipline wise but it's just about the type of people we are 
where hard work works hard. And But the work that we're doing is going to then work hard for you. We're not just doing creative for creative sake. We're really trying to drive the needle and, and you know, give you that return on investment you're looking for. It just seems like you guys are like the jack of all trades sort of company. I mean, that comes with sort of the full yeah. service. Um, but again, that, that definition is even evolving these days. You know, analytics is such a new thing and that's such a... a I think a differentiator for us these days, but yeah, I mean, I think we could, we could work. I mean, there's some brands that were just like, you know, what if Pepsi fell into your lap? It's mm. like, well, we could do a part of it and you know, we're not going right. to just take over the Pepsi account tomorrow uh -huh. given that we're, you know, 90 people, but, you but know. 90 people is a lot, you know, like that's, and it seems like you can just expand because there's going to be something new. And it goes back to that talent pool and finding and finding the right people and that, you know, interviewing continuously just so we know who's out there. And, you know, yeah, we, we just landed a big account and, you know, this person's tied up on this thing until November and this person is out till the end of the year having a baby. So we need to, we need to hire someone tomorrow. So it's like constantly knowing who's out there and, 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 Part of that is belonging to the um, the local ag club, so they'll have a portfolio um, uh, review at once a year with the students, and they bring out their books, and we go look. And so for creative, yeah. more specifically, but we get to see a whole new crop of students and all the work they're doing, and that's mm -hmm. always enjoyable because it's like, hey, let's this person's a sophomore, but you know, in two years we're going to want to look them up, so let's write <laughs> them down so we're ready. Is there any other? local groups besides us who you guys would like to work with in the future or <laughs> i mean we'll work with anybody right you know as long as it's not again not a conflict for our, our our existing clients but um yeah i mean um i really enjoyed last summer we had the opportunity to work with the buffalo museum of science um i've always loved that place and it was it was a short sort of one-off project it was a short time frame but it was a big deal um we knew it would be sort of a project work that probably was going to be, you know, have a hard end date. Typically, we like to be AOR, which agency of record, where we're going to have a long-term relationship. But we knew it was, they don't typically do advertising. They don't typically do marketing. But they knew they needed help on this thing. And that thing was going to have sort of a shelf life. And after that, it probably was going to dwindle down. And that was fine. Um, we pitched it. They're renovating the Kellogg Observatory, which that iconic dome on top of the building. And that was a project that had been in the works for about 10 years. And that as it was nearing completion, they said, why don't we use this 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 buzz we're going to get and, and launch a new brand? Like, let's update our logo because it's, it's looking old and maybe do some advertising around it, too. So in March of last year, March, they sent out um, a request for a proposal or RFP to, to a number of agencies. And we pitched how we would handle the project, why we were qualified to work on the project and end up winning the project. And that involved coming up with a new brand position, um, coming up with a brand new logo, a new style design, a new design for, you know, signage inside. And uh, we did some print ads, we did some billboards, we did a video. Um, and that was a lot of fun again, because I just, I, I, we were patrons of the science museum for a long time, having kids in the area and it's evolved in, in such a great way and my wife's a science teacher so personally i just really dug into this one and, cool. and got a lot of pleasure um out of working on it for sure so in the industry you're going back to the talent pool is there like the guy like from elf like the peter dinklage that like 
walks in like we're getting this guy he's coming to pitch this ad or is there is there somebody in the industry is like the geico guys or i mean i don't really know like if they're superstar advertisers yeah i mean there's agencies we look up to for sure um what are those around, I, I around you know wyden kennedy they did all the nike stuff 72 and sunny out um in california um you know then then the big traditional ones like bbdo um gray in new york so you know we 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 look to them and idolize them and then there's there's just different niche businesses too like pentagram which is just like top quality design like they don't even do advertising but they do design work and they worked um with the bank on their logo and they just do iconic logos for everybody like you you, you know their work you, even though you don't know their work so so yeah, we, we will follow those guys on social media. And if we have a chance to go visit agencies through our network of agencies, we'll, we'll go see them and listen to their story and say, you know, either like, they're not, you know, we're not even on the same planet as those guys. <laughs> or more often than not, it's like, yeah, they're doing the same kind of stuff we're doing, just on a different scale and for different types of clients and with different budgets. But at the end of the day, it's just, again, about coming up with awesome ideas and do you have the chops to do that? It's something that's going to stop somebody in their tracks and take notice. You talk about Buffalo, obviously now you got Pagula King of the Hill here. Do they have their own ad guys or are they going to a little guy like you? You know what I mean? No, they, they actually set up their own um, agency um, internally because they do have so much to do. And even, so we even work with clients that will have in-house design departments, but, we work really nicely with those, you know, those departments. Like we'll come up with the ideas and all the aesthetics and all the design and then sort of turn it over to them and then they'll tap us if they need something. But the scale that those guys are working on, you know, two giant campaigns a year for two behemoths. I mean, they're working on an NFL team. So it just kind of made sense. And I think it was a real smart move by them to, to set up sort of an in-house agency they were actually they were in the creamery building i'm not sure where they moved to now um but i think i think they've dubbed themselves because they were pagula sports and entertainment which i think is still a company but then the design arm of it is pick six and mm -hmm. we've met with them and talked with them because they even said hey we have all of this video film capability i know you guys are getting into it but we could probably work together on certain things if you have a production that's beyond the scale of what you guys have we could probably work together so it's always again good to know who's in town have that friendly competition but totally smart on their part to just bring all that in-house and again you know running two behemoth campaigns a year it's just it's kind of mind-boggling we, we we worked on the sabers a little bit coming out of the lockout year um back when they had the the black and red jerseys that everyone hated I actually kind of liked it the goat yeah, had the, you kind of like it now i kind of yeah. yeah i kind of liked it back then too. i'd like to see good. A, a blue and gold <laughs> and they were good yeah. <laughs> blue and gold goat had would look cool right and you thought maybe they would bring that out with the new yeah. the 50th or and, is it third or something it's it's the it's the 50th Right. Yeah. And the one thing that I wanted to talk to you about, I, I'm a conspiracy guy and all that shit. Of course, <laughs> I don't think the hockey team is a good product. And I think what they are going to do this year is kind of throw a little smoke screen to the public by these events, bringing out the best players from the 80s. Here's our new jerseys. Here's our new hats. And it's almost like they're trying to trick the consumer that our product isn't good. So we're going to trick you a little bit and you're going to 
pay attention to this stuff for a little so while. So you're not working on that campaign? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's brilliant, but, but it's not full of me. But there's always kind of that. Yeah. And we always, I think, in Buffalo have that um, Charlie Brown mentality. Like, Lucy is not going to pull that football out from under yeah. me this year. <laughs> and it happens every year. Yeah. That's why I just stopped buying into the Bills. I'm like, I'm emotionally detaching myself from NFL football. I cannot do it anymore. I did it too long. I was happy when they made the playoffs. I was not as happy as some of my family members and friends who've been diehards. And I've just sort of like there's Sundays. I won't even know that they're playing. I mean, I know they're playing, but I don't even put it on. I don't pay attention until maybe the end. I'm like, Oh, they won. Or I just kind of can't do it right. anymore. But so many people are invested. Like that's where I get like, they, they put so much effort into selling that every year and especially more so probably on the NFL side, like you don't have to, like those people are showing up and watching. And then when you look at the hockey side too, we get what the second or third biggest ratings yeah. in the Stanley cup playoffs after the two teams are in it. Sometimes even like the second will be ahead of one of the teams, cities who, who were in like people in this town. I mean, hockey is just huge, not, just, I mean, so we talk about the 11 day, but the, the kids skating and, and coming up and, and the talent pool in this city, like people just love hockey. And I like to put all that effort into having to sell something that people are already into and love. Like, that's why I think they can go into a season and not really have a good team. And it doesn't really matter. There's going to be I people think realizing that. Yeah. It's like, we don't need to spend that money. But then you look at somebody like the Yankees and they're like, people are going to be here no matter what. We still want to win every freaking mm-hmm. championship there is. Almost like, yeah. yeah, it's like, well, we're going to do it anyway. And they could have – they sell out um, visitor stadiums because people are just going to see the Yankees. It might be the one time and they don't give a shit. They're going to, they're going to continue to pay whomever, whatever, to win that championship. So you can look at it both ways and, the, and understand both sides of the argument, but – yeah, people are going to go, and especially, I mean, they're obviously going to have a lot of hullabaloo around that 50th anniversary, and maybe people are only going to go for that, but I think people are still, at the end of the day, just going to go because they're sports nuts around this town, and they love hockey, and product notwithstanding, they're going to keep yeah. going through the, those turnstiles. So you're saying that if you did the advertisement, it would be like, well, we're still going to show up. Just... Here's your tagline. Yeah, yeah. It's hockey, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, well, you said you looked up to some people. I know uh, every uh, seven-year-old in the neighborhood looks up to you as well, uh, the pink house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those that don't know, Matt owns this house in our neighborhood that was, like, legendary. Like, people always wanted to know what it looked like. How much money did they put into it? Oh, my God, they resurrected the the greatest house. <laughs> we come in here today, and we're like, hey, man, you want to talk about it? He's like, I really didn't have any interest. I just kind of bought the house, <laughs> which was great. So the funny thing was, so I lived on McKinley for about 10 years. So we bought a house in, in 03, like right by Timon. So it couldn't have been more. Like I could see Timon from my kitchen window every morning. I'm like, I'm never getting away from this school. So we lived one house from the corner of Strathmore and it needed work. And it was, you know, like any young family, I'm like, I'm going to buy this thing. But it's on McKinley, man. Yeah. Everyone wants to live on McKinley. I just, so it, it, it was small and we decided with our second child, like we, we just need more room. So we gotta, we gotta start looking. And of course, you know, we're hip. Let's start looking at, in North Buffalo. And it's like, 
oh my God, the prices in North Buffalo <laughs> to right. get something that wasn't even, I'm like, well, I think we're going to continue to look in South Buffalo. So we came back and, and I, you know, I love the, I like being close to my, my family and they moved to West Seneca, but you know, my cousin lives on the street and all my friends live near. So I'm like, yeah. And it's, I like South Buffalo because I'm paying city taxes, I believe in living in the city and paying city taxes mm-hmm. and supporting, but it's still, a little bit of suburb, a little bit of south, but it has that charm too. And I can always fall back. Well, I grew up here, so why wouldn't I live here? Yeah. So one day, and and it was right around then that I started running, and I would have the same route. I would run up McKinley and around the circle, and around the other circle, and then back. But being where I was, more 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 north of the Pink House, um, I would have to run by that every day. But I swear to God, I never really paid attention to that house, and I don't know what it was. And my wife said the pink house is up for sale. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, Everyone else does. I'm like, I don't know. She's like, the, the, I don't know. Okay. (laughs) Whatever you want to go look at. That's fine. (laughs) So we did. And it was this open house and it was like, just mobbed. Oh yeah. Yeah. People just wanted to see what it looked like. I know my cousin who just bought another house. He was walking around. I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? He's like, we just want to see inside, man. (laughs) Yeah. So then I'm like, this house is really cool. There's no way we're getting this house. And then it was just like, why did we even come in here? Now I'm just depressed because I really want this house. So then I had to remove my contingency, which meant I was willing to, continue to pay both i'm like i don't know how i'm gonna do this but we'll just figure it out so the gotta p- figure it out gotta make her dreams yeah, come just, true you know, to have the pink yeah, house exactly <laughs> so i said fine so the the folks that tried to move us off of our house unbeknownst to them actually then put an offer in for the house i was trying to sell <laughs> <laughs> and i only knew because i knew the realtors on all these all the mm-hmm. behind the scenes stuff so they made it then possible for me to buy the house that they actually nice. originally wanted <laughs> it's a it's an old house that requires a lot of work yeah and you mentioned that because i, I know your friend greg and yeah. how i could just imagine him being like well we're changing the color like <laughs> you know what i mean like he'd be like one well, he's like yeah well now we're gonna paint a different color well, that's the thing. I just, I'm like, you have this much money. If you want to paint the whole house for that much money, go ha- have at it. Or we could do a side, and then next summer you can do the other side. So that's how I've kept it. Pink. Like, was would your wife allow it? Could I mean, could would there be like a protest? Yeah, I think there would be more of a neighborhood protest than <laughs> yeah, a protest like, from my wife. I think she'd be open to it. But my big thing is, I'm like, I'm not. Yeah, painting a whole house in a summer and, and undertaking that. So, so you just gonna... tell Mario and Luigi, just pick up the pink, <laughs> keep it in the trunk. Yeah, I have it in the yeah. basement. It's like, yeah, it matches fine. It's three years old. It still kind of matches. And I, I was told those four corners that you live on back early when those houses were built, dwarfs lived in all four of those houses. I swear to God. <laughs> really? I swear to God. I say, I say to Sully all the time. <laughs> I was in his garage the other night. I go, well, there he is. You know, Dorsch used to live here. And, <laughs> and he hates it. He hates it. But that's what I'm told. And little cupboards. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's I, so I think one day Greg's going to have the biggest smirk on his face painting that house like a neutral color. Like <laughs> He just messed yeah. up. Well, I like just, my daughter is always like, no, can we drive past the Pinkos? I'm like, all just right, come on. People are like, can I come up? I'm like, sure. You can come over wherever you want and hang on the porch and have a beer. Yeah. Well, speaking of porch, you had a great uh, band on Porch Fest. I really enjoyed it. I was going by. Uh, what was the name of the band? Everybody just keeps on oh, the 90s cover band. I pray, never... pray for Mojo. Pray for Mojo. Yeah. And um, check them out, folks. 
they were really good. Yeah, they my were. um my buddy again, Jeff Papalardo, knows the guy who plays in the band and had just seen them in late winter, and then this whole porch fest thing just came about, and it was Kath. Um, my cousin's wife who told me she's like they're having this thing like porch fest like downtown but on mckinley i was like oh really so that night we signed up for it and they had a whole list of acts already and they said pick whoever you want i'm like i don't know any of these people but i've heard of pray for mojo and we're gonna have them and they scheduled them for they were like the last act to play on the day and the the pictures i see of my front lawn now and that was just such a ball and you do it again i totally and that was the thing i think people were skeptical (laughs) like this thing is going to be people are going to be on fire by the end of the night it's going to be a disaster it's going to be like worse than the worst cast carnival you know well let me tell you something man (laughs) i bartended that night Okay. It was. <laughs> I will never bartend the night of Porch yeah. Fest again. Really? I think Claire Sumbrum will not uh, schedule her dance recital for that day either. <laughs> no, you won't, Claire. See, you, you just won't. you have it, and you go to bed at 7 like I did. <laughs> yeah. That's what yeah. you do. Can I get water? <laughs> like, oh, fucking kill me. Yeah. Go to bed. I was at Porch Fest all day. You should advertise it. Yeah. <laughs> Go to bed like I did. Yeah. <laughs> Porch Fest. Go to bed, dummy. Yeah. <laughs> it's hockey, dummy. <laughs> but it was great, and I would totally do it again. And I think that the – so those guys who run it also do the Irish thing. Yeah, the Irish Fest. So, I mean, it was – real, and I think a lot of it was just the acts just knew how to – you know. so those guys showed up at my house and – didn't need anything and they're like yeah this is great we need an outlet that's all and we'll be ready to go in an hour and then they set up and i kept offering to help and they and i think that's that's part of the reason is all these bands just gave it their time they knew what they were there to do and everybody was just open to it. but i heard there was some stand-up yeah i went to kind of check them out and oh it was bad <laughs> i think steve miller was tweeting that day. well i was gonna try to do it and thank god i didn't i probably would have got kicked out of my block club but <laughs> um i was watching them and it was it, it was bad i felt bad for them I, yeah, they were steve, nervous steve you know? tweeted he's like i think this guy just ended stand-up comedy forever for everybody <laughs> yeah yeah well it's over Stay tuned. Next year, maybe we'll. But I think that's we'll all. But, you know, it was a great event. It's great that he did that, and because it, it wasn't like everyone's got to have this four-piece rock band. It was like there were some acoustic people, and mm-hmm. then uh, Crickwater played John's house, and yeah. it's just these different types of acts. And I think exposed people who probably. I thought it was really weird that they did it when McKinley had their street sale. I'm like, well, that's that's part of the recipe for the powder keg they did it intentionally and i think it kind of worked it yeah was like you already had this captive audience there who was going to be up and down the street maybe they'll stop maybe they'll just leave you know but i is is a big question mark and again it kind of came out of nowhere it was like hey we're having porch fest just like they do downtown and we're just going to do it and they just did it and it worked and i think it's awesome and they're going to do it again next year they should definitely pick your brain there matt because you're a creative guy what advice is for License to talk because we like to you could get a laugh. Yeah, like branding. We always have problems with like everything, you know, like <laughs> we, there's nothing that we're good at. We always say it's a place where you can laugh and maybe learn something. Yeah. And, you know, we're blue collar hashtag hustle Buffalo. What What's your advice for us going in the future? I mean, I think what I've learned listening to you guys is that. 
where your power alley's been and what I would really put push is the storytelling. Yeah. I yeah. think you have really good storytellers on and you guys really know how to get those stories out of people. And I think that's the enjoyment I've gotten out of listening to you because you don't necessarily, it's not like, so I started listening to the podcast, I think like everybody because of serial and it was like, you knew what you're getting right, into. Yeah. It's true crime. Yeah. And trying to replicate that has been a disaster for oh, everyone yeah. who's tried to do it. It's yeah. just not, it's, it's hard to do that well now. And I, so then I've gravitated toward like this American life and it's a similar thing. It's like, I just want to hear awesome stories. And I think yeah. that's interview format, eliciting, eliciting good stories from people, I think is what you guys do best. So I would put that right. forward is where you want to go. And then like, that's hard too, because like you, you sometimes can't pull it out of people or they can't get over like bit having a microphone in front of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, then it's always good to like have like someone like you that is like, yeah, I'll talk about what I do or, you know what I mean? And, like there is like a, you know, sometimes we have to go like towards like people who want to talk about something rather than like pull the stories. You know what I mean? Like sometimes like Wilbur, it took us months to get him to sit down. Yeah, really. But then oh, he yeah. just went. Oh, it was and fabulous. He, yeah. And I, you know, just shy of two hours and he had a story for everything. And those, yeah. so those kinds of guys, cause you, you could just pull any knucklehead out of hop. Not that Wilbur's well, knucklehead, the guy's great, but you know what I mean? You could just pull somebody from hoppers and everybody's got those millions of stories. Yeah. I'm like thinking, I'm like, man, my father could do that. Or my, my uncle has. Well, bring him our way. Like, one in like, 20. We're, we're one for 20 every I time. I don't get that. I was, I, yeah, when I heard Greg said, hey, those guys want to do it. And I'm like, oh, I like, I like what they're doing. I think it'd be great. And he said, yeah, they're asking you and Jim and blah, blah, blah. And then I didn't hear anything. And then, and then I saw Jim was on. I'm like, what the? <laughs> and like, I'm like, well, okay. Well, I, what you, I think whatever. you guys have in common is like we said, it shows a lot of character when you stay at a place for a long time. So I think it shows a lot of character staying Staying here, I'm sure there's been opportunity. Yeah, 20 years. Um, I think the thing for me has always been I really believed in what Joe Crawley and John Webb bought into. Um, John had already retired by the time I started, um, but Joe was still around. Like I, I told you guys the story earlier. So, But just they really wanted it to be about a good place for good people to do good work. And there was always like – Hey, we believe in the importance of family too. So we're going to work you hard and we expect a lot, but we're also, you know, if you got a recital to go to or this or that, or if your kid needs to come with you for work for a day, if your kid's sick, there's always been that kind of family understanding. And we also really have a stringent hiring process because we want, we have a culture that we really value and we want to ensure that we're bringing in people that are going to mesh, mesh with that. And the people who, who don't sort of self weed themselves out, and then the people that do end up staying for 20 years and 15 years and eight years. And so we have a lot of long tenured people who just, again, work really well together, believe in the philosophy of the place and, and, and believe in what Joe and John set out to create 33 years ago. You, there's only Sonica one other job that you had, right? Yeah. Seneca street. He started off uh, the old black dorm, which is, was early times. And, uh, you got to start somewhere, and that's where that was your only other job, other than maybe them Vicks. Well, yeah. I had Vicks, so yeah, so it was like Paperboy, Early Times, Vicks, and then Crawley Webb. So that, <laughs> that's my resume. <laughs> but my father knew somebody over there at the time. 
So who owns Potter's Field now? Reed. Oh, oh you Gould, you might? Gould so Gould might? was there working behind the bar. But the guy who ran the kitchen, he was a dark-haired guy. Danny, maybe? No strand? Maybe. Yeah, because yeah, he went out to Gainers after that. So I got hired as a dishwasher. I was a sophomore. Sophomore, junior at time. I think I was a sophomore when I started. And I it was it was nuts. Like I went in on a I didn't know what I was walking into, but there was a little bit of bar backing involved, but mostly just dishwashing. But I mean, so Friday nights at that place were insane because that's where people went for fish fries and for wings and it was like this big deal. So from I went in around three thirty and I wouldn't get out of there till midnight. And I was a kid and it was just and it was constant like running and then once the like dishes were piling up because people were coming in and eating and it was just this constant um you know moving all the time and then once you sort of slowed down and then it was like okay now we got to clean the kitchen because that's what you did at the end of the night and it was like change over all the sauce pots and wipe hose down all the floor mats and it was like you were just exhausted and then it was like and the, the bartenders were cool because then the bar would still be open. The kitchen was closed and it was like, well, come by, come by the bar and have a beer now. And the first one's on the bar and I'm like 16 year old kid and <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> and you know, people are smoking cigarettes and then you go home and my mother would be like, you smell like beard cigarettes. I'm like, do you know where I work? Uh, where you put me Lay off my back. <laughs> Seriously. You know, the job I have, right? So it, so it was good until the wake up call was working at that place. So during the stretch, which is like ward parade and parade day and actual St. Patrick's day, which now that was like, you got to come at a two o'clock and you're going to stay till probably 2 AM. And it was, I worked a parade day and it was nuts. And parade day fell before the actual uh, St. Patrick's day that year. And it was, it was nuts. It was like a typical Friday night. And I worked there on, on New Year's Eve one night and it was nuts on New Year's Eve and parade day was even more insane. It was exponentially more crazy. So then it came around to, um, St. Patrick's day. And again, I was put on and I was like, I just worked parade day. Like what the f welcome. <laughs> you will. Yeah. Put your apron on, stupid. <laughs> Shut up. Um, so I was at Mark B's house, and everyone was getting ready to go out. And I, I, I'm like, I just want to go out. I want to go to the park and be with my friends. I'm not going in. I don't want to work tonight. I'm going to call in sick. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, an, an hour or half an hour before I'm supposed to go in and work on the biggest night of the year at this place, I call oh the kitchen. God. I said, yeah. I, I just can't come. I'm just so sick. I just can't come in. And it was probably the worst acting job of my life. I said, I just can't come in. And um, if it was Danny, he said, yeah, okay, well, we're just going to have to let you go then. And I'm like, I'm doing like a happy face right now for the listeners. I was ecstatic. I'm like, I don't want to work here anymore. And I definitely am not going in now tonight because I just got fired. I just got to call my dad and break the news. <laughs> That was like the big hurdle. And I was like, oh, I got to call him and tell him I got fired. So I called dad, you know, I, I just got fired. They weren't happy that I wasn't going to make it in. I'm just not feeling well. I'm at Mark's. We're just going to chill, but I'm not feeling well. I'm not up to it. I just did the, okay. Okay, bud. Okay. He was super understanding about it. It was like, okay, let, psh, let's go. Yeah. So 
<laughs> I was like, <laughs> that was the best St. Patrick's Day of my life. I was like a burden had been lifted. Well, I, I actually had the same job two years later. Did you work with the Wiz? Yes, I did work with the Wiz. He was a giant man. He was like Only- a, a kitchen, uh, I don't even know what, like wizard. He was a fucking <laughs> wizard. <laughs> I don't know why. His name was like Wisniewski. Wisniewski yeah, or Wiz- yeah, yeah. the Wiz. And he had long and, hair. He looked like yeah. Thor. Hey, what's up, man? And he's like, hang out with us after yeah. work. What do you like, guys want to eat? You want some chicken wings? Yeah. I'll make you real hot chicken wings. I'm like, is this guy trying to fuck me or what? <laughs> you know? So later on, uh, I I know what you mean. It just didn't stop. They throw silverware at you. It was oh. sticking that thing in the garbage. And it was so much food, and it was oh. wet food, and it was. You got humbled. You oh, appreciate humbled. the job you have now. Yes. Yeah. So. I always, uh, I don't play well with others. At least I, u- <laughs> I, I used to not. I'm trying to be a better person. We've covered that on this program. Um, but I was a hockey player, and I, I would give them the schedule. Well, they, they schedule me, and I had to be there. So I missed a practice, got in trouble with my team. So I decide the chef is gone for the weekend, like camping or something. So now I'm going to prank him and leave a death threat on his answering machine. See, that's way worse than calling yeah. it on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> yeah. so, you win. So this is how, this is, I mean, we're going back. This is probably like 95, 96. And, you know, I said his name. You're a dead man. You're a dead <laughs> man. So I leave it on his machine. And this is a Friday. Well, he doesn't get back till Monday. And this guy was such a loser. Nobody <laughs> nobody else called him. He had one message and it was a death threat. And nobody else called him. So he star 69'd it back to the kitchen at what was the black door. Oh, my God. Star yeah. 69. Well, the state police were called. And, yeah, so I know wow. the struggle of being wow. the bar back cleaning the wow. kitchen. Oh and then, God. you know, I took it a step further and made a death threat. <laughs> <laughs> it might have also been Donnie Kumro. Donnie Kumro was also there. Donnie was the one who fired me. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. It was, yeah. No, was Donnie Redhead? No, he had Joe a- Shanahan. Joe Shanahan was there. He was the redhead. Donnie fired me. Okay, now we got <laughs> all just players. going back. Now we got all the players in Le- place. Legendary kitchen yeah. gypsies. Yeah, because they worked <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, and they would just move from Charlie like, City like, Hall. Yeah, it's like, well, this isn't working out anymore. We're gonna go to this. Yeah, this Donnie Kumro guy, Mark. He used to, but he's a hustler. I mean, oh, you, have, you like you saw like how the kitchen is. Like he did it for oh, twenty five yeah, years. Yeah, it was like it this took you know, six months, and I'm a knuckles. young kid, and I was there once a week, and I was like, I can't do this anymore. Right, this is a. You know what he used to do? The whenever there was a new person that worked there, he would fake a seizure and like. Go down and to see these people's faces yeah, he's were a crazy. And then he would take a a, a pin and uh, I don't de egg a, a shell. Oh, so I remember he, that. So yeah, then he would yeah. always hit you with the yeah, shell. You yeah, thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember oh, that. Oh, those pranksters! God. And then I, the wake up call. I, they would start giving me a little kitchen work here and there. I, I was peeling carrots and peeled my whole finger. Oh yeah. And that was. I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. I'm gonna go back to. Getting Molson Gold out of the, in the kitchen for 16 years. That's oh, yeah. uh, I could not hate it more. Uh, Any death threats? <laughs> no, I was always just cool. You're I was a like, nice you want to quit? I was yeah. like, yeah, I know the grease trap just overflowed. You should probably just quit. <laughs> the, the grease trap, the worst. I job never had to do. The, oh no, never, maybe once, but I think that the I worked there with Tommy Vanderlip, and I think he did it because he was just a. Kind-hearted guy, and, and I would walk cousin, out with them. 
My cousin Ron Gang, you 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 worked with him too, I bet. He was there. Know, Maybe. The, these lifers, it's just that's amazing. But Tom Gang was so right. he owned it then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't work for him. I he, worked for the next So guy. yeah, that the New Year's Eve night that we were there, he was so pissed that he didn't get the amount of checks he thought he was getting that night. He just had us cleaning everything in the kitchen like oh, it was yeah. our friggin' fault. I'm like Dude, it's a you know, man. and he's just like, yeah, I'm paying you exactly. You're, you're doing you got it. time to lean. I worked time at Gainers. To clean, <laughs> I worked at Gainers for him. And I can't believe that place never took off again. It's eh. it, well, that's it what was... happens when you have a restaurant in Horseshit Park. I mean, <laughs> Orchard Park. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, nothing says it right here. We'll we'll show the banners on our, uh, you know, our media. But hard work works hard. Uh, Matt Lowe, the vice president and creative director and partner at Crowley Web, uh, really works hard, and uh, you're doing great work for the Western New York businesses around here. And uh, keep working hard. And Matt Lowe, you are now licensed to talk. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I've been waiting. I was jealous. <laughs> and now that I thanks have so it, much. I'm going to wear it proudly. <laughs> yes, wear the hat. <laughs> yeah, Show absolutely. It. Wear it proud. I love it. Thanks so, so thanks, much. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Matt. Right, 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 let's wear my money. I'll just be flicking the cash. He did a digital dash. He had to get away from my motherfucker because I put a brick on his ass. I'm like, come here, zipping the gas. I just be tripping, I'm off of the OG. Whipped out of shit, but I'm making a whip crash. Shit out of love, better make a wish fast. We just been running around, so wait for the QB to pass, yeah. These bitches be running in mouth. Watch you all run through my bag, yeah. Yeah, I just been doing them drugs, thinking I'm about to relax, dawg. Yeah. When I was going through it, where the fuck was you at, dawg? My brothers is playing with Rugas and Max. He want a Uzi by the dash, but he still got a toolie in the back. Yeah. That Draco get busy, called the secretarial. Nobody around me don't know how to swim. I be dripping the aerial. Pitbull, I'm a big dog, all of you motherfuckers. I'm a fairy. Nature time to meet Jamaica. Ain't no motherfucker could be scarier. Ain't no debate. Nah. Nobody fucking with Gabe. Smacking your bitch on the derriere. Maybe I got a little too much sauce. Riding in the coupe with the rooftop off. Figures that back on my car, my cash. Why no, nobody running around like you. Yeah. Gotta go get the wish, trying to kick it with me. Cause if I roll up the gas, you ain't hit it for free. If you ain't watching your ass, you get hit with the beam. Yeah, you got the loaded water, that drip ain't for real Motherfuckers acting funny, Rodney Dangerfield Fire on my track like this shit ain't a drill If I pop a perky, ain't no pain to feel You know I've been playing with them rockets, got a tank to build Dedicated stoner, no Medusa Drip my shirt, my shoes, my shades I'm in the middle of Bermuda Love triangle with my bae, my girl, and all them haters Be fair, throw a computer Cause your bitch ass on a list if you a stranger to my shooters Right, 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 let's with my money, I just be flicking the cash He did a digital dash He had to get away from my motherfucker cause I put a brick on his ass I'm like, come here, zip in the gas I just been tripping, I'm up in the OG Whipped out of shit, but I'm make a whip crash Shit out of love, better make a wish fast We just been running around, so wait for the QB to pass, yeah These bitches be running their mouth, watch how I run through my bag, yeah Yeah, I just been doing them drugs, thinking I'm about to relax, dawg yeah. When I was going through it, where the fuck was you at, dawg?